I want to welcome you to our podcast entitled Pastoring on Purpose. We have a very special episode for you today, and my name is Tim Manis, by the way. I work here at Ministerial Care, and I've uh, been here now for a decade, hard to believe. But uh, with me today is my colleague, Jeff Sargent, and Jeff, good to have you, man. Good to be back. Thanks for inviting me back. I love these discussions, these topics. Uh, it's just fun to be a part of this, so thank you for inviting me back over. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, we're, we're one colleague short today. Raymond's not yes. going to be here. Uh, we're hopeful that he'll be back with us next episode. Just to be clear, it's not COVID-related or anything like that. Um, throw out that disclaimer. But uh, Pastor Mark Williams from North Cleveland Church of God. And Pastor Mark, you have served in a lot of different capacities. For those, most of the people listening and watching today are going to know who you are. But for those that, that may not know who you are, you served as the administrative bishop, you've pastored several different churches, you've served as general overseer, and currently serving North Cleveland Church of God, of course, uh, as a senior pastor. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much, Tim, Jeff. It's really a privilege to have the chance to be here and um, excited about this podcast. I was just introduced to this podcast recently, immediately subscribed, first season, amazing, second season. Uh, I, I'm just very honored, very honored to be here. Thank you, thank you. Well, it's, it's certainly, you know, we wanted to have you on today because um, all of us are kind of dealing with this thing called COVID. And I think, if we're being honest, I think most of us are kind of struggling with how to operate. Um, you know, I think the last major pandemic that you, you know, I guess would have been the Spanish flu, I think, what, 1917, right? 18. Was it 1918? Um, I know it's surprising, but I wasn't alive back then. I don't think either of us were. So, um, And so we're kind of trying to figure out how to kind of operate. But before we get into that, I do want to kind of talk about the providence of God for just a moment because I do think God works into in our world today. Yeah. And sometimes it's not yeah. just the, 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 um, the extraordinary, but I think God works in our ordinary day, the ordinary life. And Jeff, you've been a part. I met you in 2017. 17, yes. And uh, since then, we've done a lot of collaboration, a lot of work with Lee. Uh, it's just been a wonderful working relationship, but I also classify it as a friendship. And Pastor Mark, you had a part to play in that. And so, um, Jeff, I want you to kind of share a little bit about how that came about and kind of just, uh, you know, peel back the curtain a little bit and give us a little bit of a backstory sure, on that. Sure, yeah. It, you see the providence of God. And you, when I say that, when you say that, I, f I feel overwhelmed just by that statement. And thinking that somehow I've got to see the providence of God at work. And there was, as it's typical in my experience, anytime the hand of God's involved in what I'm doing in my life, it, it surprises me. It's not like I've been seeking it. In fact, this, yeah. th this is a situation where I was not seeking God's intervention. I was asked to go and meet with a, a, a lady I'd never met down in Naples, Florida. Her name is Priscilla Dobbins. Her husband, uh, uh, who had passed away a couple years before that, uh, you may know, had created the Dobbins Institute, had all of these resources, materials for pastors. He has a pastor's heart. He was a pastor and also a counselor. And his passion was just to serve pastors. Mm -hmm. Well, I was asked, as a, actually as an assignment, uh, as, uh, at Lee, uh, Dr. Uh, Paul Kahn had asked me, he said, Jeff, will you go down there and meet with her? She's wanting to do something with these resources and these materials. So this is 2016. I traveled down to the Naples, which is a wonderful destination, of course to meet someone I'd never met before, didn't know, and we went out to dinner, and she shared with me her heart and her passion to continue his ministry. She said, what can we do with this? And to be honest, I stepped back and I was overwhelmed. I thought, I don't know what to do with this. What am I supposed to do with these materials? I don't know if you can actually use them at Lee. That was the first thing, of course, logically, I said, we could use it at Lee. 
but I thought this material needs to be in the hands of practicing uh, professionals who are pastors right now. They need these resources. As a minister, a son of a minister myself, I've got to observe the pastor's heart and, and, and watch the pastor at work. And I know some of the day in and day out, the grind, the, the challenges, okay? Sure. Even pre-COVID, of course, yeah. some of the, just the, the, that are inherent in the profession. And so I thought, how can we get these materials into the hands of our church? And being a boy of the Church of God, all right, a son of the Church of God, I'm like, let's start there. I, mm -hmm. I want to help our own people. And so I didn't know what to do. I really didn't. Uh, and I'm, I'm praying. I'm thinking about what am I supposed to do with these materials? God, am I supposed to go create an institute at Lee? Am I, you know, what am I supposed to do with this? And it was silent. And then I recalled a personal acquaintance of mine mm -hmm. who also happened to be, who had been uh, a leader in the church and is a leader in the church and leading his own church now. Uh, Mark and I, we've known each other since the early 80s. Uh, and it goes way back to Lee College days. And my wife, she actually said, have you ever thought about talking to Mark about this? Mark knows a lot about the Church of God, a leader in the Church of God. Maybe he can tell you what you can do with these resources. Mm -hmm. So I contacted Mark and I hadn't talked to him in years, but Mark, uh, which is consistent in, uh, in, in my relationship with him over the years, is he responded right away. He said, yeah, let's go. And we went to lunch. I told him about uh, Priscilla Dobbins. I told him about the Dobbins Institute and I told him about the resources and he said, I know what you need to do. You need to go to the Church of God, and here's the, who you need to talk to. You, need to. you need to contact them right away. And so I did. I followed up, and from there I, I, I met uh, those of you in the Division of Care, Ministerial Care, and that's where the relationship has developed. But Mark was a significant catalyst in, in this. So, so the fact that we have a podcast, which Mark and I did not talk about at lunch that day, no one's thinking about podcasts. <laughs> sure. I'm certainly not thinking I want to be part of a podcast, <laughs> all right? So none of this, you know, th th this is what you see, what, four years later, right. okay? Yeah. Uh, but, the, but, but you see the same stream of passion and concern and calling to minister to our ministers. Mm -hmm. And so Mark, significant role in this, whether he just chose to or not, or whatever, just following God or whatever, just being, being nice to a friend and going to lunch or whatever. But Mark, you were integral in that. And wow. we thank you for that. So that's one of the reasons we wanted to invite you here. And, and, and of course, you can, you can expound on that from your perspective if you'd like to. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I, I, I had no idea that that conversation would lead to a day like this. And uh, as you've described it, the providence of God, I mean, to look back and see how God directs conversations, mm. puts, together, uh, puts together relationships, and um, uses those relationships and conversations to lead in ways you never would have dreamed. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that God, first of all, put you in a strategic position to become a steward of these incredible resources. And then that it has led to a day like this, it's just really overwhelming. It's terrific. It's exciting, it really is. And, and the timing of it, because when you came to us, we were already thinking, what can we do to become more preventive, be able to, to, to provide resources? Um, and we were really excited about that, but we didn't really have that direction to know what it was gonna look like. Like you said, we had no idea it was gonna be doing a podcast. 
uh, the work that we have already done. It's it's really exciting seeing God's hand upon that. And you mentioned Miss Dobbins, a wonderful woman, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. I think we should her. have her on a podcast in the future. I think we yes. should as yes. well. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, the listeners will have uh, will be in for a treat. Mm-hmm. Actually, moved from Naples, Florida, to Cleveland. She has. Yes. I don't know many people that move from Naples, Florida, to Cleveland, Tennessee. <laughs> no, no, but... most of us are trying to move to Naples. <laughs> exactly. That's part of our plan. That's right. Yeah. yeah. She's I'm, here. I'm glad that she did. Uh, moving on, you know, you talked about your experience in the past with uh, Pastor Mark Williams, and uh, you know, uh, my first experience with you, Pastor, was when I was at Lee, and you were pastoring South Cleveland Church of God at the time. And one of my favorite stories, though, happened back in 2011. You know, we used to host a retired ministers, uh, widows, and spouses conference every other year. And it's a big conference that we put on. It was a spirit care event. Mm-hmm. Um, we had probably 850, 900 uh, attend that, and one of my one of my roles and functions at we had at, at this time at the con center, um, and those not familiar, we had just a few parking spots behind the con center, and so my role was to reserve those parking spots for people to come in. Obviously, you know the guest um, kind of bring in mics, those kind of things, and you just can't have everybody come through, funnel through that uh, that backstage area, and so. Got a car pulled up and asked about parking. I said, sir, you're going to have to, you know, this is already reserved. And I get a chuckle about this because apparently I wasn't paying too much attention at the time. Um, in my defense, I was much younger then than I am now. Um, but he said that his, his son was the, the guest speaker that night. And the guest speaker that night was the one and only Bishop Mark Williams, who in 2011, to give context, was the general overseer of the Church of God. And I had just told his parents that you can't park here. We don't want your kind here. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to get fired because I look at him. Once he says it, I see the resemblance. Yeah. I mean, I was, and, yeah. and, and he's got the name tag, says Williams, and I'm thinking to myself, you big dummy, <laughs> you know. He was very gracious, by the way. Yeah. I took a quick U-turn and said, oh, yes, we have a park right here. Walked him in, no problem. And really a, just a wonderful couple. And, uh, Pastor, just just for a moment, if you don't mind sharing, I know you come from a pastor's home. Mm-hmm. What role did your parents play in your life uh, growing up? Well, they were huge. I mean, uh, uh I was born in uh, West Texas, grew up in a small community of Iowa Park, Texas, near Wichita Falls. Mom and dad, my dad was a pastor, I'm an only child. And uh, so, I mean, their prayers, uh, their example uh, has been huge for me. Uh, My dad and mom, uh, uh, though not perfect, of course, uh, yet just the life that they lived, the Lord that they Mm -hmm. loved, Sure. Uh, the legacy that they have left to me has just been immeasurable. Yeah. I've learned so much from them, and I'm so fortunate to still have them. My dad is 89. He'll be 90 mm-hmm. wow. in a few days. My mom already is 90 wow. and in reasonably good health and still independent. And uh, so I'm, I'm just very grateful for them. And now the influence that they get to have on their grandchildren yeah, is such a blessing. That's absolutely true. And, you know, being able to see that modeling, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, you know, speaking of PKs, pastor's kids, the role and kind of pastor's kids growing up today, probably a little bit different than a few years ago. When you, when you guys say you guys are two PKs here, um, it's, it's especially with COVID, right? It, I think all of us are kind of feeling that kind of, uh, 
um, it's just a different environment. I feel like we're living in the twilight zone. Well, I, I imagine, you know, when, when I was growing up as a PK, my parents could pretty much isolate me. Church activities within the home is very protective. But now with our hyper-connectivity to, to the internet and more information than we ever needed, a lot of misinformation as well, I don't know how parents uh, manage that. I, th I think that, I mean, I am a parent, but my children now are in their 20s. Yeah. But, but I also, I, not being a minister who, who has a, an, an establishment of minister's home, I can't think of how challenging that is to play that dual role of being a parent and being a pastor simultaneously in this day and age. I can only imagine. Maybe, Mark, you can, you, you can attest to that. Well, that's a good point. You know, when we grew up, when I grew up, at least in the community I was in, we built our entire lives around the church. Right. Mm -hmm. We went to church Wednesday night. We went to church in my church Saturday night. Okay. We went Sunday morning, yeah. Sunday night, revivals. I mean, you built, and the whole community also had such a regard in those days yeah. for the church. Now, you fast forward to this day, I mean, the culture has shifted tremendously. And as you've already described, all of the other uh, avenues of technology, which of course bring incredible blessings, but mm -hmm. also bring incredible challenges yeah. and distractions. Yeah. Uh, while there are some similarities, of course, growing up in a pastor's home, I think today the pressure is so much greater yeah. uh, and the challenges are so much more intense. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just because I'm a parent <laughs> and feel well, that. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that the challenge has never been greater for sure. Absolutely. And you mentioned social media. I mean, they, they have so many things just kind of being thrown at them all the time. And it is difficult. And speaking of, you know, the difficulty, I mean, obviously, Pastor Mark, you were, you were a perfect kid growing up, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Come out of the womb speaking in tongues, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. You know, because, you know, I, I heard somebody, a few people told me before about your past, is that you used to be a DJ. And we're going to get to the COVID uh, uh, here discussion we go. here in a moment. Yes. The real stuff uh, is coming yeah, out. There now. we go. But there we go. We, I, I mean, I think listeners and people who are watching are, are interested about that time period. And, um, you know, Tell me a little bit about that. What, what was Can I interject here? Oh, right. oh just, just no, I don't think there's a need for right? that. Okay. Please uh, Trust me, Mark. I'll, be, I'll take care of you here. All right. Mark and I spent some, in, uh, some intense time together in my freshman year. It was his sophomore year at Lee because we were roommates. Mm -hmm. And it was at that time that he revealed to me, uh, well, first of all, I, he didn't have to reveal to me that he was uh, a disc jockey. He, uh, he, he knew songs. He knew the length of songs. He knew when they were recorded and released. And I was impressed. I love music. And being a good PK, I love rock and roll music, all right? <laughs> and so when he knew this stuff, I was like, I was really impressed with that. And it was impressive. He's got an impressive memory. But I didn't know at first that he'd also worked as a DJ, which exposed him to this, which was even more impressive and exciting uh, to, to, a, to a, a teenager. I was only 18 at that time. Uh, and so Mark had worked both uh, out in Texas and here locally in Cleveland as a DJ. So it was really cool. But <laughs> that he could tell me, Jeff, that was released in 1975. And it's three, yeah. uh, three minutes and 18 seconds. Wow. Like, wow, that's really cool. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, well, you know, when I was in high school, I just loved the radio. I loved the music. Music brought me to the radio, yeah. and I, it was the day of personality disc jockeys and everything. I, so, uh, yeah, I began as an Explorer Scout, an Explorer okay. Scout program, went okay. to a radio station. Uh, I got to sit behind the controls in a production room one time, and there was somebody there that thought I had maybe a little talent, certainly a good face for radio. <laughs> and so uh, with that in mind, 
Uh, and I ended up working at a small station about 40 miles from where we lived with my first job at KVWC, 1490 AM. Wow. It was a small community radio station. That led to a job in Wichita Falls, which was a medium-sized market at a station called KNIN. It was a top 40 mm -hmm. uh, radio station. That means we played the top 40 sellers of the billboard charts mm -hmm. of uh, rock music and um, also adult contemporary music. And uh, so from there, uh, I went out to Denver. I didn't do anything in Denver in radio, but when I came to Lee, I ended up working part-time at a station here locally an FM station. At the time, it was a Southern Gospel station. Okay. And uh, I actually remember we had this program called Country Crossroads, and it came in on an LP. And there was just enough time when I put the needle on to play this LP for Country Crossroads that I could actually let it play, get in my car, run down to Sonic, get something to eat, <laughs> come back, and it would still be playing. So uh, that's, that's the reason why you know the length of something. Exactly. So you yes. can, do other things. Yeah, but I loved radio. Still love it. That's still awesome. love it today. Yeah, it's really interesting, you know, because I just imagine it had to be Southern Gospel, right? We won't even think about it. You know, I know <laughs> it's interesting that he got saved somewhere between here and Texas because he's playing that old rock and roll, <laughs> and then he came here yeah. and played Southern Gospel. I agree. He found Something the Lord. like that. Yeah, I agree. Something like that. I, I don't listen to that kind of rock and roll kind of stuff. I'm yeah. too spiritual for that kind of stuff. But, um, but you I believe did, that. No, yeah. I do not. No. Yes. Uh, you know, I did. I did take some liberty here to to print off some of the more popular songs just to have a little bit of fun here early 1980s uh, by the Imperials Old Buddha yes. one I have not heard myself but yes. uh, you had Rex, Rex Nelson singers the Rex Nelson singers I remember them okay okay this tells you how much of a Southern Gospel fan I am you know I have to read off a list here of course the Happy Goodmans the Happy right. Goodmans Alabama. Alabama yes yep. from Alabama and then you got the Kingsmen uh, with excuses that was a top song uh, back in the day the Cathedral Quartet the Dixie Melody Boys. There you go. The Dixie Melody Boys. You know, don't worry. We're not going to start singing. So this is not a uh, Southern <laughs> Gospel group here. But uh, just having a little bit of fun. Talking about family, Pastor Mark, you know, one of the things we obviously handle a lot of in ministerial care is the role of the family in ministry. The difficulty of that, you know, how do you view your family in ministry? Kind of what's your concept as far as your spouse, your kids? Um, kind of give because we've got a lot of younger ministers that are listening I've got a lot of respect for you there's a lot of pressure uh, especially with the roles that you've been in um, as far as general overseer state overseer and then of course pastoring North Cleveland which is a great church it's a larger church it's a wonderful church um, how do you view that that family and what are some things that you've done to kind of protect if you will or um, I hate to use the word balance because it's really difficult to have a balance. How about this? Boundaries. How, how do you set Thank the you. boundary? I, 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 just, That's a good way to put it. Boundaries is a good way to do it. The boundary between family yep. and the professional life as a minister goes, as a minister, many ministers, I think, think of themselves as the 24-7 person. Yes. All right? Which is not realistic. All right? Especially if you've got your own personal life, you've got your family. So, so how does one establish that boundary in a healthy way? Well, it's, it's not easy. I'm, and I will say right up front that I am certainly not perfect when it relates to boundaries. And I'm certainly not perfect in terms of parenting. Uh, but I think you have to be intentional. I think it begins with time. I think it begins with intentionally sitting down with your spouse and being able to say, okay, um, 
this, these are times each day that are going to be off limits. These are times each day when we're going to turn off our phones, we're going to turn off mm -hmm. uh, all of the, we're not going to check email during this time, we're not going to check uh, social media. These are times that we're going to have for just us. Yeah. I think if you wait until you get time right. to be together, you're never, never going to have time. Yeah. Ministry uh, is of a nature that it will eat up every single minute of every single day um, if you allow it to. Mm. Uh, so I think you have, you have to become intentional. Yeah. Uh, intentional about... Uh, time off, intentional about meals together, mm -hmm. intentional about those uh, even uh, moments uh, that are special. Sure. Uh, I, I think you have to be intentional. You have to communicate those boundaries, I think, even to your leaders and mm -hmm. to your church. And surprisingly, yeah. surprisingly, you think, of course, that how will people receive when I tell them these are times that you may call and I may not answer. Mm -hmm. People actually value to, mm -hmm. to hear and to see yeah. that you are, before you're any other title, you are a husband, you are a father, you are a child of God, you are a mother, you are a child of God. That's good. So That's I, think, good. I think the one piece of advice is be intentional. Yeah, I like that. And I've always heard, I've heard this somewhere, always thought this, but if you don't respect your time, no one else will. And I, I think that's a good way of putting it. Just being intentional with those moments that we have with them, scheduling time off, going on vacation, you know, and making sure it's a vacation, you know, and you're not on your phone the whole time. So very good. Um, kind of, let's, let's kind of go into the COVID topic because it's, it's something I think every one of us is really trying to learn how to deal with. It's, it's like an entity that we're trying to learn how to, to live with. And we don't really want the entity there but it's there. That's the reality of it. And Pastor Mark, how, how is ministry different now? I mean, if you had to... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a loaded question, just a, just a couple of things. Sure. But how is... But, but compared to pre-COVID, I wanted to say post-COVID. It's not even post-COVID yet. It's we just, have no idea where we are in this, really. I mean, when there are assumptions that are out there, but we don't know. Uh, exactly. Where we have. Yep. Well, uh, Dr. Manis, Dr. Sergeant, Jeff, Tim, I have to tell you, for me, yeah. it has been the absolute most difficult, most pressurized, most unpredictable time mm. that I have ever experienced in ministry in anything that I have ever done. I often describe it as the challenge of leading when you can't see anything at all. Wow. Quick story. I was 16. I just received my driver's license. Mm -hmm. And my mom and dad and I, we, we prepared with some people in our church to go to Six Flags Over Texas, which is an amusement park about 140 miles from where I was growing up. Yeah. While we were there, my dad developed a headache during the day. It was going to be an overnight trip, but he developed a headache and someone gave him a couple of Tylenol. At least we thought they were Tylenol. They were mm -hmm. aspirin. He's allergic to aspirin. Mm -hmm. So immediately he had an allergic reaction. Once all of those symptoms subsided, after the trauma of the day, we just decided to go home. I had just gotten my license. My dad, he was still in recovery mode. My mom was recovering from the emotional toll. So they asked me to drive home that night. So uh, again, early driver. I got in the car. We left the parking lot, made it all right. Got on Interstate 30, made it all right. Over to 820, made it all right. 
uh, went on to, ex to State Road 287 and was preparing for the, for, the, for the ride home. Had the radio going, the CB radio was right there beside. Yes, you know. yes. We were on the trip, stars <laughs> at night were bright, and we're on the way home. And then all of a sudden, there was fog that just came in. Wow. Fog that was so thick. It was fog. I could not see in front of me. I could not see behind me. I had the radio on. The voices on the radio were acting like there was no fog at all. Wow. They were just playing radio like everything, playing music like every, nothing was happening. Listen to the CB radio. No one in front of me was saying anything. And the fog enveloped our car to the point that all I could see, I could barely see lines on either side of the road to try to keep the car in the road. When I would try to do something to brighten what was in front of me, it only blinded me. Right. Mm. So I was gripping with all that I had on that steering wheel, wow. just hoping to keep us from crashing and doing everything I could to keep the steering wheel and to keep us safe in the road. Though dramatic, I suppose, honestly, that's how I have felt mm -hmm. over these last months. Mm -hmm. yeah unable to see anything in the future, unable to hear any voices that could clearly define the reality that I was in. Every voice that I was hearing was no help to me at all. Mm. Not knowing uh, whether or not we were, I mean, it's been all I can do, I felt like, all I can do just to keep the church wow. in the road, to keep the church together, mm -hmm. yeah. to keep the church from crashing. Uh, so, so the pressure has been intense. Pressure brought about by, uh, by my perception of people's expectations. Pressure by the very real infection uh, of, of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Pressure brought about by people who were getting sick from my congregation, people that were dying, other voices saying it's a hoax while I'm holding someone's hand who has just died right, right. Uh, from it. Uh, the financial pressure for the new environment, how to keep the people together uh, when we were closing down, and then the, politi the politicalization yeah. of everything. Yeah. Uh, and, and it has been, without a doubt, the most pressurized, the most intense uh, challenge. If good pastoral leadership is being able to take someone from where they are into their future, to grow somebody from where they are into their future, leading a church into its future, mm. how do you lead when, like Abraham, you're going not knowing whether you go? Yeah. Uh, how do you mm. lead wow. when, you are, when you have no clear path into the future? Sure. That is a little bit, I think, about what pastors have been good. feeling uh, over these last months. Wow, wow. I don't know where to begin. With that. I, I love the metaphor. I really, I mean, yeah. I think, and, 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 and it resonates with me, not being, as I said, a pastor, but I am a leader. And, and, and as a leader, part of your identity, I was talking about identity a while ago being the 24-7 person as a as pastor, but also as a leader, you, you, part of your identity is I know things, or I think I can know things or I can predict things because you feel like that's, part of, that's a significant part of your leadership. But as you described in that example of the fog, I mean, yeah, that's the way it feels. I don't know what the future will. I don't know what's around the corner, mm -hmm. but I have all these people in the car who are relying on me to figure it out. And it's overwhelming at times. And then the misinformation or the hyper, uh, as I said, hyper connectivity 
uh, to all this information that is is overwhelming. Yeah. It's, it's, it overloads you, actually. It's, it's cognitive it overload, absolutely. It, it does, it does, which is also resulting in what we've all probably heard of this COVID, so-called labeled COVID fatigue. And I say so-called not because I don't believe it. I mean, sure. that's just the label that people placed on it. But right now, mm -hmm. three months into a semester at Lee, I feel like I'm in 12 months in, into a semester mm -hmm. at Lee. And so for a pastor, I'm, I'm sure you feel like, my goodness, is this, is this the longest year of my life or what? And that extra, that extra cognitive load, overload that you're talking about, that cognitive load is gonna make you feel even more fatigued. And sure. so you're gonna, you're gonna feel at times like, why do I feel like I need to rest? I just rested yesterday. No, mm -hmm. it, it's the extra thinking, the extra trying to predict what's gonna happen next, what's around the corner. And so that's all factors into it. Part of that memory loss too. You yes. Know, yeah. You may find yourself with short-term memory problems. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Issues. And so, you know, one of the things that I've noticed with, with pastors and people in general in ministry, I don't know if they're born this way or if ministry does this to us, but there's a certain DNA that we have. Uh, we love to have high excellence. Um, I would even go as far as that many of us struggle with this idea of perfectionism. You know, we have, you know, Pastor Mark here who served the church a lot, and, and even you said, I haven't been perfect. Um, and so uh, learning to kind of give ourselves some grace and understanding we're not going to be perfect. And, and, and being imperfect does not mean that you're not called. It just means that you're not God. Great point. Yes. You know, and, and allowing ourselves to be able to walk in this. And, but I think as we kind of go through this, and I'm just kind of just, this is not in my notes here. Good. How do we do this? We have to do it together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that. I, I can't do it alone. And this idea of community, I, we, we started, it sounded like, you know, we talked about your parents and the legacy they had, and we laughed, and can we find laughter? Can we find joy in a world that is just completely consumed in darkness? Yeah. I think that is exactly right. And I think that, I think it is in times of, of darkness times when you can't clearly see into the future, uh, that you begin to learn again mm. some things about serving the Lord and leading the church that is all too easy to forget. Yeah. Like it or not, I think that we as pastors feel like we have been brought into a wilderness experience. Um, looking back, in the scriptures, there's there's probably not a more lonely, there's not a more isolated place than having to go through times of wilderness. Yeah. It can be so threatening that Nahum, I remember, described the wilderness as a place where your knees buckle and your hearts melt. Mm. Uh, even Jesus, wow. Jesus, it seems, wanted to avoid the wilderness because Mark says that he was driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't want to go in there. Yeah. Because there are real demons in places of isolation and sure. wilderness. There are voices that come to you that, you know, who are you anyway, that start mm -hmm. to doubt your identity. Mm -hmm. yeah. there, there are voices, there are real temptations. You struggle with appetites mm -hmm. uh, that are there yeah. Uh, you suddenly, things that, that, that stay submerged all of a sudden come up in those places. However, however, if we can learn to turn places of isolation into places of solitude, wow. if we can learn that it's actually in those wilderness moments that we can develop 
a new sense of calling, a new sense of mission, a new sense of identity, a new sense of love for people. Mm -hmm. They can be transformational moments. I think that happened to Jesus. Because even in wilderness experiences, he was able to emerge in the power of the Spirit. Even in wilderness experiences, they preceded moments when he come out and recognized the people around him were hungry and they needed to be fed. It was out. It was in wilderness that he found rest. He was able to turn isolation into places of solitude and invite his disciples. Look, this is a moment that you need to rest. It, 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 and and I think those moments of solitude can actually be moments that we look forward to. Now that's strange. I don't want to go through COVID again. But what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. again is that Jesus, emerging from his wilderness, he sought <clears throat> opportunities to go. From there on, you see him looking for moments yeah. to go away to pray, looking for moments to get away with his disciples. Mm-hmm. All of that to say is that there can be treasures that can be found in darkness. There can be treasures Mm -hmm. that we can find in times of isolation. So I guess what I'm saying is we need not think these are unproductive moments. We need not think that we are somehow failing. God is still at work even in the darkness. And uh, so I want people to find hope in that darkness. That's good. And your calling, you know, your calling has not changed. That's right. You know, the circumstance does not change. The plan, it may look a little bit different, but the plan that God has has for you in your life, it's still there. And this has not caught God off guard. If ever there was a moment when we have all been reminded that the church belongs to the Lord, Mm -hmm. and that He will build it, I mean, this is a time that we're learning that the church really does belong to the Lord, and He will build it. Wow. And Jeff, what kind of pops into my head here, we're about to finish this up, but I just just, can't help but think about this, is this... For those of us who like to have control, for those of us who like to have everything planned out, we're going to struggle the most, I think. Because a lot of times that's what faith is, 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 is relinquishing that control. You talk about Abraham. Abraham didn't know what was awaiting him. And so it's, I do think that there's a, a learning moment in here for the church, a grieving moment as our brothers and sisters are grieving through this to learn to grieve together. And you can go throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. Uh, Pastor Mark, you probably have forgotten more about the Bible than I know. Um, where there's joy, there's celebration, but oftentimes before we get to that point, there's a period and moment of grief. And um, it's sometimes it's just there's no answers. You know, It's just a matter of just being there and being there with one another. It's great stuff, guys. Uh, any other thing you want to add to that before we move on? Oh, there's so much we could unpack. We could just, I mean, we, unpack. we can't so take up more, any more of Mark's time here, but I, I think I, all that that you pointed out, I mean, it, it, again, to recap, realizing that hopefully the, the, the overarching message of the day is you're not the only one who's struggling with this, yeah. all right? Every pastor, every leader, every minister, all of us are dealing with this. We're all trying to grapple with it. It's forcing us to rethink ourselves, who we are, our identity as we're in the wilderness. Uh, Think about uh, what we're losing. You Mm -hmm. talked about the grief and there is, we've lost. All of us have lost something, okay? 
Some of us more than others. We've all lost loved ones or friends, and, yes. and, that, and that's the worst. But also we've lost a lot of other things that we're accustomed to. And, mm. and, and there's the fear of the, of the unknown and what's ahead of us. And as you said, the control, uh, for those of us who like to control, I know, I know somebody really well uh, who likes to control <laughs> his future, it's reminding me how, how, how little the control is that I have in my life. And, yeah. and, and that's difficult for a leader because we like to believe we're in charge, we've got everything under control, but we're learning that we don't have things under control. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. It's tough, this reality <clears throat> that we're living in. Uh, Pastor Mark, before we uh, finish this up, a couple more questions for you. Uh, if there was one thing that you, know, you would want to just say with the ministers, leaders, mm. whether it be in our movement or outside of our movement, um, what would you want to say to them? Wow. Um, three things. Number one, stay connected. Mm. Stay connected to your relationship with Jesus. As elementary as that sounds, mm. stay connected to your relationship with Jesus. Stay connected in your relationships to your family. Stay connected to your relationships in your community. Stay collected to life-giving people in your community. Stay connected. The second thing I'd say is stay committed. Mm. Stay committed to lifelong learning. Stay committed to your own personal development. Stay committed to growing. Uh, don't be afraid as you are committed to your self-development to reach out for help. Uh, during this season, I've re-engaged with my counselor. I have a counselor that I am seeing on a weekly basis that is someone safe that I can just help to unpack to. Uh, stay committed to your own personal development. And then lastly, I would say stay, cent stay centered on Jesus. Mm. Here's the deal, if I can, if I can just say this. Um, as pastors and as ministers, we think that our identity is defined by what we do. Mm. We think that our identity <clears throat> is defined by our visibility how many followers that we have and can attract. We think that our identity is, is, is founded upon um, our power, our authority, our position. But Henry Nouwen has helped me so much to realize that before Jesus ever faced those voices of turning stones into bread or water into wine, before he ever was told to go up on the temple so everybody could see him, before he was ever challenged with the kingdoms of the world, I'll give them to you, he already heard the Father say, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to have all of these followers. Our identity is centered in on the fact that God already sees you wow. as his beloved child. And so if I could just leave anything, I would just say those things. Um, recognize Now, that's not an excuse right. for laziness, sure. but sure. the truth is my identity, if I, did not have, if I did not have the privilege to pastor, if I could not preach another sermon, if I would never lay hands on anyone else to be healed, if I never had any kind of authority as the earth sees it, still... I'm a child of God. Wow, that's wonderful and uh, great word. And uh, you know, I was thinking about that. Are there lazy pastors out there? Because we don't get them. If you call our there office, no. uh, we're you know, you're not a lazy pastor because they're wanting to do better. They're wanting to help themselves. And 
Uh, one final question. I think, you know, as we're going to move off the COVID topic. But before you do that, if, I, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to interrupt. I don't want people to overlook what he said in his points. He is seeing his counselor regularly. That's a good point. And I don't want other, I want yeah. other pastors to get I, that. I, I really yeah. I want the value you. of that. I want to yeah. tell you. I want to <clears> tell <throat> you. I was in a meeting one day. I was in a meeting a few a few week a few months ago. I was in a meeting, and all of a sudden I felt so overwhelmed. I just had to get up and leave the meeting. Mm. It was like all of this was coming at me, and I knew. I recognized that I needed, I needed somebody to talk to. I needed some help. And so through a very good friend, person in my church, helped connect me with an individual, a counselor. And it has been such a blessing to wow. me to find a very safe yep. environment, yep. to be able to be human mm -hmm. yes. and be able to say, yes. I feel all of this pressure yeah. to connect dots that I've never connected before. Yeah. It is a gift. Amen. It is one of the greatest gifts. The Center for Ministerial Care, counselors, women and men that have been called of God and equipped, that have a handle on, on Scripture and have a handle on human behavior, it is such a gift. Yeah. And I don't see it as anything I'm ashamed of. I don't see it as anything as a weakness. Mm -hmm. It is a gift, and I, and I just hope, I hope that everyone can find what I'm finding yeah. in this gift. Wow. So, uh, th Thank you for highlighting that, yeah. because I think that's a, that's a very, very important point when we have, whether it be younger or older ministers, you've been in ministry for 50 years or five years, to know that Pastor Mark Williams, Pastor North Cleveland Church of God, has has. has a wealth of experience, grew up in a pastor's home, is seeing a counselor, is, is, is breaking down those barriers. Well, and, I, and I hear the message, too, that this is a proactive action on his part, Precisely. not yes. waiting until he, no. I mean, and it's fine. If you, if you got to the point where you can't go any further, yes, you should seek help. Absolutely. But also, recognizing while you're in the middle of it, I need someone now. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so counseling's not just for people who have fallen. That's people exactly who right. can't help themselves. Yeah. We all need assistance. Hey, all, and especially during these times as ministers. I go to a medical doctor for checkups. Exactly. I want to make sure that I'm doing okay. Right. I have my car, it needs an oil change, but it wants to last right. longer. I go get an oil change. And, I, and it's taking away that stigma that's oftentimes associated to it. And Pastor Williams, I just want to say thank you so much for being vulnerable, for being honest. I really do believe this is going to impact mm -hmm. a lot of people. And, and I just can't be more excited about what God is doing. Uh, I talked about it earlier, the providential um, uh, the providence of God and, and just I can't help but think God is involved in this and uh, uh, thank you for listening one final question I want to get to uh, for just a moment I just can't help myself you know when I was growing up you know uh, I grew up in a charismatic kind of church non-denominational and, uh, and then I got saved I'm joking uh, no uh, but um, you know we always had like a counterfeit you know something kind of you know um, if, if, if there was something popular in secular culture, the Christian culture had something else. You know, instead of the, the, the greatest hits of the 90s, or we had WOW 2000, we had all the Christian hits on it. And we went through a period too, and they still have it by the way, where they had Christian haunted houses. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were entitled Hell Houses. Yes. The, the question that's on my mind, Pastor Mark, I know we're going through a lot of stuff right now, but, but when can we expect North Cleveland Church of God to have a, a Christian haunted house? Is that in the, in the cards anytime soon? If there is, can I act? Can I be Let part of Let me tell you that? something. Every time I stand up and preach, some people think it is a Christian haunted house. <laughs> they get me out of here. I'm afraid... Uh. Many in my church and who used to attend my church will say that yes, uh, yes, it is yeah. haunted already. Yeah, it's it's uh, we're we're already dressing up. We got the mask. I, I think that's his angle. I think he wants to be a participant. All right, it so, like so it he, is. Yeah, he wants to serve as a room in one of the rooms or something. And, like and, that. And, 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 and instead of wearing a mask, you just don't wear a mask. You jump out in front of someone and scream. It's like yeah. oh no, you know. Um, but nonetheless, all joking aside, Pastor Mark, thank you so much for being with us today. Truly an honor. Thank you. Jeff, as always, appreciate you. It's an honor. It's a privilege. Mark, thanks again for, for, for following the Lord as you, as you have consistently as long as I've known you. And, and, I, and being a catalyst, letting God use you to be a catalyst Absolutely. in what, what we're seeing here. Thank you, yeah. Jeff. It means the world to me. Both of you do. And you are now part of the ministerial care I think you have it family. on this side, yes. Oh, here it is. And so I, I want to gift you. Yes. Whoa! Uh, I know you probably have a thousand mugs, but this. And we is both a, drank out of this one, so we do <laughs> enjoy it. And I, I can used. I can I can verifiably say that uh, coffee does taste better. It does. Yeah. It's just something about it. Yeah. But I want to say thank you so much for what you do for being a part of ministerial care. If there's anything we can do, um, if there's any suggestions, I am open. You know, we we yeah. want to be able to be the best version of us so that we can help our ministers and our families. It's so vitally important to you, uh, to us, I should say. And, and every time you take a drink of this, you think about it, you see it, say a prayer for us. Oh, you can count on it. This is magnificent. Thank you, and thank you from the bottom of my heart for, uh, for all that you're doing to help all of us thank you. be healthy. Thank you. That means a lot. And before we close, I want to say thank you for joining us for Pastoring on Purpose. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Be sure to subscribe, share. Uh, You'll be able to see this also on our Facebook page as well as YouTube, uh, on our YouTube page there. And uh, we look forward to, uh, and give us comments. Let us know what you want to hear. And Pastor Mark, would you close us out and say a prayer for all of our ministers, spouses, children, family that might be watching or listening? Honored to. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank you today for the gift, for the calling that you have given to all of us. All of us, regardless of our vocation or place of service, we all have been called out of darkness into the marvelous light and called according Mm -hmm. to your purpose. I pray that today every person, every human being that is listening and watching will feel truly the arms of God wrap around them and the voice of God speak to them that you are my beloved daughter, you are my Mm -hmm. beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I pray that every person listening and watching today will have a profound sense of your pleasure in their lives. And I pray, Lord, for anyone, everyone who may be struggling, who may feel like that they don't know if they're going to make it Mm. through the day, Mm. not just make it through the week. I pray that your grace would be sufficient that your strength would be made perfect in weakness. Silence the voices in our head to the point that we can once again hear your voice. Bless the Center for Ministerial Care. Thank Thank you for Raymond Culpepper, 
the second. Thank you for yes, Dr. Lord. Manus. Thank you for Dr. Sargent. I pray that you would bless them and bless this podcast. Mm. May it be an avenue of hope for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll see you next time and God bless.